0: Dear God, we confess that we've heard some of these stories in the Bible so often, like the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, that we can hardly hear them anymore. And so today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to hear how astonishing this story really is. Help us to hear it as if for the first time, like we've never heard it before, and to fall in love with the Jesus that we meet, and not only with Jesus, but with who he reveals that you are and what you're like, and it's in his name and through him that we pray, amen. When I was nine years old and living in the city of Jerusalem with my parents, my family went to live for a month in a Palestinian village called Sarif near Hebron. And I was just going to ask our kids who was near nine years old, but I just dismissed them all. In that uh, sun-baked and stone-covered land, a nearby well near the place where we stayed in Sarif was the only place you could get water. And both at sunrise and at sunset, women would walk together to the well, always in groups, always in groups, where they would fill up their water jugs and, of course, fill up on the latest village news as well. And then, with their heavy loads perfectly balanced on coils of cloth on their heads, they would walk home into the village, swaying as gracefully as dancers. If you've ever seen somebody carry, I don't know how many gallons, 30, 40 gallons You have a sway to yourself as you do that. But at noon, in our village, when the blazing sun was most intense, that well was always deserted. And so in our gospel reading today, it's precisely at this deserted hour that we find Jesus, tired and thirsty, sitting, as it says in verse 6, by the well. Now what you have to know is that in the original Greek, and those of you who remember the King James Version, it doesn't actually say that he was sitting by the well, it actually says that he was sitting on the well. And probably, since we don't know wells and the capstones over them that you can sit on, they changed it for us Westerners to buy the well. You see, Middle Eastern wells don't come with buckets and ropes attached. (laughs) And so, we're missing something very important here by not knowing this. You see, by sitting himself... Jesus, that is, sitting himself down on that well without a bucket. He is vulnerably placing himself in the need of the help of whoever shows up next. And what we also need to know is that this isn't just any old well, but a well in Samaria my goodness, a region his own Jewish people consider hostile territory. You see, for the past 500 years, a deep enmity and hatred has festered between Jews and Samaritans. To Jews, Samaritans, there were no good Samaritans, by the way, Samaritans are a mixed race of Jewish Gentile heretics, half-breeds, who worship God on the wrong mountain. And Samaritans, in turn, return the hatred by stoning and even massacring Jewish pilgrims who dare, who dare to pass through their land. And so if you turn in your bulletin to the map that you'll see there, when Jews are traveling between Jerusalem in the south and Galilee in the north, Samaria you'll see is right smack in the middle, Jews go straight east, cross the Jordan River, then head north through Perea, On the east bank, which is a four-day journey that allows them to completely bypass Samaria. It allows them to completely bypass Samaria. But not Jesus. As we learn in verse 4 today, he says he feels he has to go through Samaria. Samaria. And clearly now, in light of all the risks and dangers involved, this isn't about geographical convenience. Jesus just just doesn't want to take a shortcut. This is about mission and divine necessity. I want us to pause just briefly here to remember what we've been learning so far in our Lenten series called Restore Us, O God. These 40 days, we are asking God to restore to us our true identity, who we really are. And two Sundays ago, we remembered that every human being is infinitely precious because each of us carries in our DNA the image of God. The image of God, though often obscured and covered by sin, is the core essence of every single human being. And I hope you see what this means. This means, dear friends, that you and I, this coming week, are not going to meet a single person who does not bear the precious image of God. Not a single person. Not one. And our lifelong calling is to let God's image be restored in each other. Amen? And to... Help it be restored in others. And in our story today, our dear Lord Jesus, He shows us how. Jesus is sitting on on the well, on that capstone, when someone finally approaches a woman. Now, pray tell, why does she come along in the middle of the day? Does the sun's fierce heat perhaps seem less scorching than the scorn of her neighbors? We can hardly, hardly exaggerate the inappropriateness, the scandal of the conversation that now unfolds between these two people. Jesus doesn't just ask a hated, despised, despicable Samaritan for water now. Bad enough. But he asks a Samaritan woman. You see, Jewish rabbis in Jesus' day aren't even supposed to speak with their own wives in public. Really. Really much less with an unknown woman in a deserted place. In fact, this woman is actually not a double outsider, a woman and a Samaritan. She's a triple outsider. Not only is she a Samaritan and a woman, but someone with a very tragic life. She's either been widowed or abandoned by five husbands. And now number six doesn't even value her enough to marry her. And in that patriarchal culture, her survival, her survival depends on the protection and the provision of man number six. You know, over the years, this woman has often been labeled as promiscuous, called a harlot, but probably it's much, much more accurate to see her as incredibly vulnerable and even desperate. That's who she is, vulnerable and desperate. And in their conversation now, Jesus gives us a clinic in the love and the creativity that are always needed when we are seeking to engage and to connect with the other. So often as his followers, we subtly emphasize the strength of the giver of us and the weakness of the other, them, but not Jesus. In this story, notice the power dynamics in his encounter with this woman. First, he meets her on his turf, excuse me, on her turf, not his. Second, he doesn't bring along a whole crowd of supporters, but speaks with her alone directly. Third, his first words to her are vulnerable. Give me a drink. Focusing on his need for her help. Focusing on his need for her help. The well is deep and he has no bucket. Finally, he treats this triple outsider like the beloved human being that she really is. Someone bearing the precious image of God and respectfully engages her in a very long and in-depth theological conversation. Friends, it's so easy for us to emphasize as the followers of Jesus the strength of the giver, us, and the weakness of the receiver, them. And if we think about our ministries here at East Chestnut, community meals, chestnut housing, Sunday school classes for our young, walking with the Almahasne family, the women's shelter, what shifts, whether deep or small, might we need to make in light of this story? It's been said that the greatest gift that we can give any other human being is to help them to experience how much they are loved by God. The greatest gift you and I can give to anyone, to our friends, to each other here at East Chestnut, to our spouse, to our children, to our colleagues at work, our friends at school, is to help them to experience how treasured they are by God. Many people in this world do not dare to believe or struggle to believe, that's me, that this is really, really true. And in our story, this is exactly what Jesus is doing here as he engages this woman in the longest recorded conversation that he has with anyone in all the four gospels. Bar none. In comparison with all the disciples, with his trial, this is the longest recorded conversation he has with anybody. Jesus knows everything that this woman has ever done. And everything I have ever done and you have ever done. And it's still to her that he offers his living water. It's still to her of all people that he first fully reveals his identity. She says, I know the Messiah is coming... To which he tells her, it's me. You're talking to him. And after drinking this living water, did you notice how this parched woman immediately wants to go out and share it with others? So beautiful. How she becomes a spring for others. You see, we are not meant to be the final destination for God's grace. I hope you've heard me say that many times, because I have. We are not meant to be the final destination for God's grace. It is meant to flow through us to the world. Recipients of grace are meant to become agents and channels of that grace for the world. And the more grace that we share the more we increase our capacity to receive more. And don't miss... Oh my, don't miss the huge contrast between last week's story about Nicodemus and today's story about the Samaritan woman. Nicodemus... Is a religious insider who cautiously meets Jesus at night on the sly. She is a complete religious outsider and she gets it, meets him in the full light of day and receives him with complete and utter abandon. You see, those who know their brokenness always have a leg up on those of us who are trying to hide it. She is now filled with a great big love. And in contrast, as Jesus says elsewhere in Luke 7, those to whom little is forgiven... Love little. In our exploring faith class these days, we've now arrived at the New Testament in our book. And we are exploring what the gospel, what the good news is really all about. It's one of the favorite parts of for me of being a pastor. Friends, if I were to ask you this morning to summarize the content of God's good news in just 140 characters, what would you tweet? What would you tweet? After today's story, I'd have to say that we really only need six of those characters. Thank you very much. J E S U S. And since we're tweeting, an exclamation point Jesus. This Samaritan loving woman-dignifying image of God restoring Jesus is the good news. He is God with us. And if God is like Jesus, my goodness, then what astonishingly good news this is for the whole wide world. Amen? For you and for me. And this morning, dear friends, if you want to fall in love with Jesus all over again, and the God whom he reveals, then please go right ahead. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for not making a detour, not taking the bypass around our world, our broken world, but for coming to save and to heal us in Jesus. We thank you that he is your good news. He is your good news. Showing us who you really are and showing us that no one no one is outside the circle of your love. And in the silence now, whether for the first time or in some deeper way, we give ourselves to you. We say yes. We thank you for filling our parched souls with your living water. And we commit ourselves now to let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. Through us, to those around us. Amen.